should a church grow? How should a church grow? Would you pray with me one more time? Father, speak to hearts. I pray you'd help us. Help us to hear, understand, and obey the word. <clears throat> I pray you'd focus me in. Lord, not let me be distracted. The things that are on my mind, just let me to preach your word with power and authority. May I be clear, speak well, enunciate. <clears throat> and I pray, Lord God, that you would get honor and glory from what's done this morning. Draw us to yourself. Help those who need to respond to respond. And may you, may you be honored. I pray in Christ's precious and holy name. And amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. I'm going to do a little memory test here. Those of you that were not going to be here last week, if you get this right, you get an extra gold star since you weren't here. I ended the service last week with a little story. Does anybody remember where the story took place? What store the story was in? Best Buy, right? You got it right. You don't have to stay for the service. You can be dismissed. And uh, you are exempt from exams. And, uh, and so, yeah, Best Buy. Why did I get into trouble at Best Buy last week? What was my problem? I see that hand in the back, sir. I wore a blue shirt and khaki pants. And what was my problem in Best Buy wearing a blue shirt and khaki pants? Anybody else remember? I looked like an employee, and so what was going on? They kept asking me to serve and to help. And I kept thinking, these are the pushiest people I have ever seen. And no, I just kept, I kept, didn't know what was going on until the woman tatted on me to a supervisor. And he laughed and did one of these. And then I looked, oh, yeah, I looked just like all the other drones in here. And, oh, that's bad on me. And I said to us, that's how we are sometimes in church in a series like we're doing. <laughs> Everybody's going, why does the fat, sweating man on the stage keep talking to me like I'm wearing a blue shirt and gaggy pants. I came here for the show, not to serve. I came here for the worship experience and to receive and not to do anything. Why do they keep talking about giving? Why do they keep talking about stewardship? Why do they keep talking, reading the Bible and being in a group? Well, it's because you got on a blue shirt. It's because you got on blue khakis. And so as we delve into that, and he's going to address that here. He's going to address that, and that's why I stopped. Just for fun there, and a couple, three of you like to tease me about the uh, long, long series we've been doing. And uh, I checked, I double-checked. <laughs> D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, um, famous preacher uh, during World War II, out of World War II, he wrote it was, uh, seven or eight volumes on Ephesians books. Ephesians 4, <clears throat> uh, 6 through 14 was one book. He preached 23 sermons on these verses. I'm getting by with three. So, uh, so anyway, so I'm not trying to be terribly exhaustive. He, he just kind of went to town there. Let me ask a question. He's going to address this. He's going to address immaturity. Immaturity. I need a little help from the audience. What's another word or two for immaturity? There are no wrong answers. Everybody wins today. Everybody gets a trophy. Everybody gets a cupcake um, at the end of the service. What's another word for immaturity? I can't believe the new parents back there didn't get this immediately. Jordan's like, I hadn't slept in three days. I don't have any brain function. And uh, what? Childish. Is that what you said? Underdeveloped. Oh, I'm sorry. You're working on your PhD. Forgive me. All right. We need all words that have less than four syllables. And uh, yeah. Childish, there we go. Childish, underdeveloped, underdeveloped. Somebody else. I thought everybody'd do the one word that I thought of. Immature, acting like a baby. That's right, acting like a baby. Anybody else? Another word there. A delinquent, a delinquent. All right, no testimonies. 
and uh, a delinquent. I'm messing. Yeah, yeah, delinquent. I'm just messing, trying to keep Jordan away. And uh, yeah, and so, and we're here. How many of you agree with those immature words? A few of you? All right. What does it look like? If you're going to call someone immature, underdeveloped, a delinquent, a baby, or childish, I mean, why would you do that? Why would you say that to an adult? Why would you say that to a kid, for that matter? I mean, a, you know, somebody who's old, most past toddler. Anybody? What? Easily offended or defensive. I don't know what you said. One of the two. Easily offended. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah. Doesn't want any responsibility. Doesn't want any responsibility. Hey, hey, your, your, your stuff's on the floor. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm, I'm building around it. And uh, notice the ants. They don't go there anymore. Yeah, yeah, no responsibility. No responsibility. What else? They should know better, right? Is there anything more infuriating to an adult for somebody else to say, well, well, nobody told me. The building was on fire. We expected you to call the fire department. Well, nobody told me. And, uh, right? Anybody here? How many of you, your blood pressure is going up just by me talking about this? Yeah. Yeah, all right. Who else? By the way, how many of you work with these people? Yeah, yeah. It's like they get hired you know, all the time. What else? Immaturity. Immaturity. I'm not trapping you. I just want to make sure we're on the same page. I got 12 down here. <laughs> what else? Uh, immaturity. Immaturity. Somebody's immature, they are, are, yeah, yeah, that's exactly right, yeah. Poor self-control, I've got that one down. They can be passive-aggressive, right? How are you? Fine. Right? How many of you got a headache as soon as I said that, right? Yeah, and and they're they're passive-aggressive, you don't know where you stand, they're emotionally unstable sometimes, they're hot, they're cold, those kind of things. Are they dependable? They're undependable, right? Immature people. Man, you just what? Proverbs says what? <coughs> Proverbs says it's like, it's like pouring something into, or excuse me, an unfaithful person is like a tooth that's out of joint. <laughs> he's going to address that. When he's talking about us growing, when he's talking about <coughs> using our spiritual gifts, that's one of the first things he hits, because that's one of the first problems we have in a body, in a local church, is when we're struggling with this maturity, immaturity. And so I want to help us, and I want to give us some things that will be really profitable to us. <coughs> Excuse me, we're going to talk about it. And I love, I, I kept working on the title, and I worked on it so much, I was scared that when I printed it, I printed it with a mistake in it. So if it's got a mistake in it, tell me tomorrow. And, uh, but a growing church is a growing up church. How many, of you, how many of you like the preacher when he's clever? A growing church is a growing up church. And if you believe that, stay with me. If you've got a handout... Are you on uh, using the app and stuff like that? I hope this will be a help to you. I'm about to come out of this microphone here. So I'm not real sure what I'm doing back there. So if I all of a sudden act like I'm fighting bees, it's the microphone. <coughs> so, so how should a church grow? Ephesians 4 through 4, uh, excuse me, Ephesians chapter 4 through 7. Brian Chapel says this is the owner's manual for the church. So how should it grow? How should it grow? <coughs> how should it grow? In your life and in my life, it's going to grow as we use the spiritual gifts that God has given us. I suggest that these are tools and not trophies. This is not talking about grace as in saving grace. He's talking about serving grace. And so a healthy church, a growing church, a growing up church is using and utilizing these. We went last time and we looked at verse 11 and verse 12. He talks about this gifted leadership. This gifted leadership, we said that leaders are to be equipping and discipling the saints, be unlocking that. 
And I made a promise that I soon forgot about, but I did remember this week. And if you'll go to hardenvalleychurch.com slash spiritual gifts, there's all kind of resources there. There's tests you can take. There's things you can download. <clears throat> and I would encourage, if you've never explored this area, um, I've got some things that will be very, very helpful. And it's beyond the point, the time that we have this morning to completely go through that. But we're to be doing this. We're to be doing this. And this is upside down. Our kid Hughes says it like this. <clears throat> he says, when we look at leaders equipping others, he says that messes with two things. He said, one, it messes with the idea of a pastoral pyramid. He said, the idea <clears throat> that the leader's at the top and everybody's walking around with palm branches going, worthy, 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 and, and, and this kind of stuff. <clears throat> I've been to churches where they built a carport for their pastor to park under during the week. I've been to, I've been to uh, you, you were talking about somebody convinced his church that he needed a helicopter to get around in. And, uh, and uh, these kind of, not the pastoral pyramid. Pastoral pyramid shouldn't be how it is. If anything, it's an inverted pyramid. The pastor is trying to equip others, and the broad point's upside down, and they're to be out there. And it messes with the pastoral bus that we hire people, we hire people, and the rest of us just take a nap. How many of you have ever seen the folks that go on the tours up to the Amish country or something like that. You got one guy doing all the work and a little couple, and everybody else is going, going I didn't like that meal too well. And uh, my hotel room, like the, like the tour guide, can fix something here, right? And they just complain the whole trip, and the, and the poor bus driver is doing all the work, and they're like, they're like, that road was really bumpy, like he paved it. And, uh, and so we're here. So it flips those two things upside down. So we'll be doing this, and then we're to be doing the work of the ministry. We're to be doing the work of the ministry. <coughs> some, uh, some of you helped put on a baby shower yesterday, and it wasn't something that, that, that I put on. You put it on. That's part of it. Some of you took some of your time off and worked around here in the last few weeks, and you did so many things. You're doing the work of the ministry. Many of you invite people, and you do that. <coughs> Brother Ron wrote a song and music and sang it for this morning. Doing the work of the ministry. That's a healthy church. And so we're being equipped to do that. And so he's got the three words there. Equipping, serving, and building up. And building up is where we launch from. What's that look like? What's it look like? A church with the right foundation. Chapters 1, 2, and 3. What's it look like? <coughs> unified in our doctrine. Unified in the pursuit and the promotion of Christ. Verses 1, 2, and 3. What does it look like here? What does it look like? I'm glad you asked. Because I want to answer, how, how should a church grow? How should a church grow? Now, let me help you. It's not how can a church grow. How can a church grow? You can grow lots of things lots of ways. Nod your head if you understand that, right? I mentioned I was having a little fun, you know. <coughs> somebody said, you kept talking about people wearing skinny jeans. And it said, it's just because you're jealous. And I went, yes. You know, if I could, if they made them. If they made them in my size, but if I put them on, I'd look like a, I'd look like a, a nutty bar, you know, one of those ice cream cones, you know, at the top and all. I said, you know, I'm, I'm having a little fun with some of this stuff here. <coughs> so it's not how can we grow, how can we do some things, how should we do things biblically. Now, if you're with me, how many of you would like to know how can a church grow? How many of you would like to know? Four of you? How many of you would like to know how it can grow so you can be critical of other people? 
when they don't do it. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. So let's, let's walk into it. So first thing he does, he attacks spiritual infant, infantilism. Infantilism, excuse me. He attacks it. So where is that at? Go to verse, you're in chapter 4. Go to verse 14. <coughs> verse 14. That we henceforth be no more children. Go to verse 12. For the perfecting of the saints for the work, excuse me, uh, verse 13. Till we all come to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, and to a perfect or mature man. He uses words two places, two times, and he marks it out. He's talking about people who are progressing. God never intended for you to come to Christ and stop. He never intended for you to uh, never open up your Bible. He never intended for you never to learn a verse or to ever pray. He never intended for you to stay stuck there. She said it. Being a developmentally challenged is not supposed to be normal. You want to mess up a church, you fill it full of people who refuse to grow, who refuse to help me grow up. She says, this is not the point, this is not the place. When you're using your gifts, by the way, you're going to start growing. When you're serving, you're going to start growing. When you're understanding, you're going to start growing. And then secondly, selfish individualism then is a mark of immaturity. Individualism, selfish individualism. That's an easy. He says, till we all come. <clears throat> we're all growing. He uses the corporate all the time now. This is what we're to be doing. And you mark, be careful. Be careful. You got your druthers. You got some things. <clears throat> All of us do. But I want to encourage us here that we really wrestle. Those of you who've seen that before, by the way, ministry you've been a part of, maybe when you moved, whatever, you can mark it back down somewhere in there. They decided that I, I was greater than the group. And that I, let me help you, was more important than the mission. More important than mission. I've said it because it bears repeating. It does not matter if anybody this in the town knows my name. It matters if people this in the town know who Jesus is. Know who Jesus is. <clears throat> I had five people come in the other day going, how long has this church been here? <laughs> Lord, help us do better. Help us do better. Man, I want folks to know, not just the church here, but there's a Christ, the living Christ, the resurrected Christ who empowers this church and fills this church and helping this church grow and that we have the gospel and want to offer it to you. And so there's just two things that are there. And so mark those down. See those safeguards. Let me give you the keys, the components here. Number one, there's a maturing Christ-likeness. There's a maturing Christ-likeness. We're going stay, to stay, stay close to the scripture there. I'm trying to talk a little faster. Go to verse 12. You with me? Say amen. Nod your head, grunt. You got the paper there. For the perfecting the saints, the work of the ministry, the edifying, the building up of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to a perfect man, a mature person, and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Measure the stature of the fullness of Christ. He pulls back to that unity word again. Pulls back to that unity word again. He said it in verses 1, 2, and 3. He said it again in verse 4. He said it again now. He's talking about what you believe. He's talking, he's talking about this. doesn't mean there's some differences. doesn't mean we do some things differently. That doesn't mean that we don't do something. He's not saying that at all. He is simply saying that you are growing. And part of that maturity is Christ-likeness. Is Christ-likeness. He says, till we all come to unity of faith. That's the, that's the, excuse me, he's using a knowledge word there. It's rooted in the scripture. 
I get nervous when somebody says, I think or I feel. Now, if you're talking about chocolate, or you're talking about cream-filled versus custard-filled donuts, then I think and I feel is a valid observation. If you're talking about cream-filled or custard-filled donuts, the observation is fine. Throw them both away. They're nasty. And uh, if you love those things, God bless you. And uh, if you're talking about whether you want medium-rare or rare or well-done or whatever, again, your feelings are your feelings are valid and your beliefs are okay. I'm okay. But when you're talking about Jesus, we get it from his self-revelation, which is the Scripture. When you say, well, I just think Jesus doesn't care. No, no, what has Jesus said? Well, no, what has the Bible said? It's rooted in the Scripture. How many of you run into people all the time, they got kind of a homemade kind of religion and a homebrew this? Like that country western song, me and Jesus got a good thing going. That's not maturity. That's not Christ-likeness. <clears throat> That's I was... I was bored and put a song on repeat and found out. It's rooted in the Scripture. You're growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. The word there is epikonosko, or the derivative. It's experiential knowledge. I told somebody the other day, when I used to work with young people, if I felt like I was losing them, <clears throat> I had a few things I could do to kind of get them back on track. And one of those, I'd start joking around about kissing. About kissing. Now... All right, there's like seven of you in here should not participate at this moment. But anybody here, anybody here, kissing is, a, is, a, is or was an okay pastime? All right, let me just throw this out. Skip to chapter five. We'll talk about marriage now, all right? And how uh, I many of you, anybody here? Like, I, got, I got four of you that nod, and they were, they were all women. I figured the men would be going, finally. Yeah, something I can feel good about in church. And I would say this, and I would say to them, I would say to him, especially if I was doing premarital counseling, I would say, you know, I said, uh, I said, the only thing good about getting in a fight is you can, you can have kissy face later on. I was doing that one time with a couple of counseling, and the guy wrote it down, kissy face later on. I'm like, don't take notes on that. <laughs> and uh, his, his fiance just looked at me, she crossed her arms. She said, we're not going to fight. I went, okay, go ahead and write it back down. And, uh, and this, is, this is what you do. But I'd say, man, you, the only way, to, only way to get better at kissing, you can't read in a book. I didn't know this wasn't a YouTube at the time. You can't watch a video. Man, you just got to pucker up and let it rip. And, uh, and that's the only way to get any better. Now, for, for not for nothing, there's like six men in here wrote that down. Practice. And, uh, and so we're here. You can't do this. You can't know about Jesus. There's a walk with God. Meet him in the morning. Say goodnight to him at night. Talk to him through the day. Learn about him. Look for him in the scripture. They're rooted here and they're growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Do you know Jesus better this week than you did last week? Are you more familiar with him today than you were a month ago? Church can turn into a car wash. You come through, get a little cleaner, and head back out. I'm not talking about a one-time drive-by or a weekly kind of event. I'm talking about, did you, are you planning to meet him tomorrow? That's maturity. That's Christ-like maturity. They're growing. They're demonstrating the spiritual maturity. Demonstrating it. <coughs> Excuse me. And to the knowledge unto a perfect man, unto a mature person, it's obvious to others, and finally, they're making much of Jesus unto the fullness. Excuse me. Measure the stature of the fullness of Christ. They're making much of Him. They're making much of Him. Christ-likeness. Christ-likeness. This is how it's rooted. This is one of the first things here. 
<coughs> bitter, angry, F-bomb dropping, don't care, can't find them. Man, unfaithful, immature, that is not the first quality here. That is not maturing Christ-likeness. That's not how you should grow a church, God's people said. Amen. Number two there, doctrinal stability. Doctrinal, I'll do this quickly. Doctrinal stability. I've got a little quote there. Maybe it's on. There are no little people in the kingdom of God, and there are no little jobs. That's what Francis Schaeffer said. Number two, doctrinal stability. You there still with me in the text? Verse 14. Henceforth we be no more children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men, cutting craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. He uses some words here. He says it's like being, a, like being tossed to and fro like a cork in a sea. It's like being whirled about like a piece of paper. Being Literally the idea swung around. It's the idea that you use the spinning tops and feeling dizzy. That is the effect of false doctrine. The word cunning, craftiness of men is the word kaibeah. It's the idea of learning how to cheat at dice. It's craftiness. This is the unscrupulousness that stops at nothing. They're doctrinally stable. Doctrinally stable. Why does he say children here? I think the answer is pretty obvious. Because children will just about believe anything. You may here ever had any fun with children? Told them something? Told them something? I tried to get something by somebody yesterday in our house. All, or Friday. Almost had him, and then I blew it. Almost, <coughs> almost had him. Almost had him. I, I uh... I enjoy keeping a straight face sometimes and telling a tall tale. Now, I say tall tale because if I say I'm lying, y'all will vote me out. And, uh, but I enjoy, I enjoy goofing around with people. I usually don't let it go too far. And uh, I don't think I do anyway. And, uh, and so, and so try, try, to, try to have a... But, but, but children, man, you just, you know, is there anything more fun than a two-year-old? You're going, got your notes. And they're walking around going, my notes. And... Uh, and and uh, and those we, we can we can have a we can have a little a little fun here, but they're gullible. Don't be gullible. Be doctrinally stable. Doctrinally stable. How are we gullible? All roads lead to heaven. No, that's that's a nice bumper sticker, but no. Broad is the path, and wide is the way that leads to destruction. And many are that go thereat. Narrow is the way. It leads to life everlasting. No, don't be gullible. Don't be gullible. All the heavenly tourism business. <coughs> Young boy said he died, went to heaven. <coughs> His father put him up to it. His father and mother divorced. The mother came out. It's on tape. Dad coerced the fella, coached the young man. They made a book. They made a movie. They wouldn't back up on the book or the movie, even though the boy admitted he was lying. And his dad put him up to it. The Bible says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Luke chapter 14, the rich man, <coughs> when he died, he lift up his eyes being in torment. That is how this works. I'm not being ugly. That's what the doctrine, that's what the Bible says. We have to be careful. We have to be careful. This stuff. Somebody says, well, all you need is love. Well, about three days in, you're going to need some food. About four minutes in, you're going to need some air. Right? We just, need to be, we just need to be loving. Say that to a cannibal. He doesn't need love. He needs a diet change. Right? We say, we say don't, don't be this way. Has the church ever been more messed up about angels? By the way, I think both ways. 
both ways. Angels are created. There are no new angels. They're not married, given in marriage. They don't procreate like humans do. But we like, well, there's just more angels. No, there's the same number of angels there was. And people die, they go to heaven or they go to hell. They're either with God or they're apart from God, waiting for further judgment. That, that, that's, that's the reality. I'm not being mean. We need to be doctrinally stable. I understand. Not, not your head if you're with me here. I'm not, I'm not I'm just, <coughs> I just Googled some silly thing. I came up with a list about 20 pretty fast. <coughs> people people say, say all kind of stuff. There is some maturity, doctrinal stability. It doesn't matter what I say. It matters what the Bible says. We need to be like the Bereans and search the Scripture. Search the Scripture. He says, thirdly, he talks about truthing. Truthing. How many of you think that's a typo? That's literally what he says here. You're still in there. That we be henceforth, verse 15, but speaking the truth in love. Now, here you go. <laughs> this is exact opposite. I probably got 18 books on my shelf that would disagree with this verse. Man, if you want to grow a church, if you want to grow a church, you're going to have to tone some things down. You're going to have to have 45 minutes of music and a little sermonette with some life principles. None of this word stuff. Not making people mad. Not upsetting people. Now, let me help you. Look right here. Being a jerk is being a jerk. Whether you're holding the Bible in one hand, whether you're on a pulpit or something. Nod your head if you understand that. Just being rude and mean, just being rude and mean. Nod your head. You can say amen to that. He's not saying speaking the truth. He's saying speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love. What's the truth? Truth is a scripture. What's he saying? Again, my, my own spin on this, just for time's sake, I, th I think it's got two ideas here. Number one, you love people enough to tell them the truth. And you love people enough to tell them the truth. There is a Savior. He really did. He really was born of a virgin. He really never did sin. He really did die, and he really rose again the third day. Telling people the truth. Standing up in the hurricane of being canceled and all this stuff, saying, no, marriage is for a man and a woman. And that God created us this way. And I'm sorry that somebody told you self-identification, all this kind of stuff. But again, if you take a nap in the shed out back where the lawnmowers is, you're not going to wake up in the morning a weed eater. You don't get to do that. And all the confusion, all these kind of things are, are, are meant to destroy you. They're Marxist in, in philosophy. <coughs> They're heretical in doctrine. And uh, the best loving thing I can do is tell you the truth. They asked us to be represented when they opened up Morning Point. I was thinking about what I was going to say. I only knew I had a few, a few, just a few moments. And, and I was there. And there's all these politicians, lieutenant governor, everybody's there. And I'm sitting there going, what do they need to hear? And guess what it did? I quoted Romans 5.8. <clears throat> why because their need is to understand that they are a sinner that's the best news i could give them you're mighty nice people who all got cleaned up we're all waiting to go inside to the air conditioning but what you need to know is the gospel is the gospel truthing and again he's literally it's a gerund there it's the idea we're continually speaking the truth in love how do we grow? The truth. How do we grow? The truth. The truth points us to Christ. The truth magnifies Christ. So we're continuing to do that. Let me help you. It's hard to say the truth if you don't know the truth. Some of you have experienced radical spiritual growth since you started trying to hide God's word in your heart. You know why? Because the truth's getting in there. The truth's getting in there. Being able to say the truth. Again, I, I said it. I was really strong and I meant to be. 
<coughs> again, I don't know I've got everything figured out, but I want to be able to be corrected by the Scripture. I want to say something off. I want to, I want to get there. I'm not interested in being right. I'm interested in being correct. Nod your head if you understand there's a difference. Being right is trying to win an argument. Being correct is being fidelity to the Scripture. I want to be fidelity to the Scripture. I'm going to stay an account, give an account for how I did with uh, Scripture, with the truth. So I want to truth. And the second thing is loving the truth enough to tell it. You ever been in an awkward situation and you swallowed your tongue to avoid saying something even though you knew what was supposed to be said? Anybody here done that? How many of you are going, I don't have that problem. I just say whatever. No. <laughs> you ever had that problem? problem? Man, it was the time to say it. Time to say it, you're like, every now and then, every now and then, I'll grab, a, Andrea will grab my arm because she knows I'm about ready to pop. Every now and then I grab her arm because I know she's fixing to go full on. And uh, do it in love. Do it in love. Relationship and proximity breed influence. Relationship and proximity breed influence. <clears throat> if one of you that sits over here who've never bothered learning anybody's name that sits over here walks over and says, I just wanted to tell you, I think you need to get right with God. Probably not going to get a big audience, right? But some of you have been praying, working, being back there in the men's group, meets at 10 and praying together. You come and say, man, I'm really concerned, really burdened. I just want to talk to you for a minute and share with you. Man, you'll take that off of that person because relationship and proximity breed influence. And just being a blowhard jerk isn't enough. Saying the truth in love. I didn't mean that you people don't know each other's name. I'm just using it as, a, as an example. Speaking the truth in love. By the way, I think the American church struggles here. I think we have swallowed our tongue because it's controversial. I don't think we get to be editors. I think we're delivery people. I think we get to do this, we get to do this in love. And then the final thing, and this is interesting to me, is healthy service. I'm done. I'm done. This last point, look at it. Speaking the truth in love may grow up in him in all things. There's the growth. All these things together, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted. Don't forget, he said, for the perfecting of the saints, for the equipping there. That was a surgery word, to set the bone that was broken, to repair the torn ligament so that it works. He says, now when this is in place... Everything starts working. And compact together by every joint supplies, the effectual working, the measure of every part. Everything's firing on all cylinders. Everything's doing what it's supposed to. Makes increase. How do you grow it? This way. Of the body. And to the building up, the edifying of itself in love. Christ is the one in whom all Christians grow. Out of whom we grow in love. <clears throat> the word there, furnishing. <coughs> excuse me, uh, uh, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supply, I'm sorry, supply there. It, it's a word, it's a word that was a great word. It was a name like a, like a, like a, almost a, almost what we would call a patron. If you were in that culture and you wanted to host a chorus and maybe have someone put on a Greek play, you needed someone to front the money so that all the players could come together and a stage could be rented and that everything could be made ready 
when we're doing this, centered in the Word, growing up together, he uses that word, this is what sets the stage for what's next. This is what makes it easy for everyone, the sopranos and the tenors, and the guy in the mask, and the people who wrote the play, and all those kind of things. He switches gears from body to this assortment of different individuals who've come together for one purpose, not for nothing, and that's to magnify Jesus. This is how it all works together. It was September, October of 19. I'm done. I'm done. September, October 19. I, I can't remember exactly. Before <clears throat> I went to the hospital, so it was November. I was still taking, uh, was still taking our son to school. And, uh, and so we leave at 7.30. Wasn't that far to uh, Temple Baptist Academy, but the traffic on the murder highway, as I like to call Clinton Highway, uh, was difficult, and if I'd leave early, I could get there. <clears throat> and if I'd leave just right, when I'd drop him off, I could roll the window down and say something unbelievably embarrassing. Out the window, there's my little boy. Except I'd say it at the top of my lungs. And so, as <clears throat> so we do this, I'm still feeling okay. And uh, <laughs> so, it's heading out. And I could go and come. So most of the time I would take Andrea's car because I'd be back before she had to leave for work. And I'd do this. This just made me feel good. And <clears throat> so I grabbed the keys, went out, cranked up the car, and, and Riley was coming down. And, and, and I walked out. And according to Andrea, I walked back in in about 30 seconds. She's like, the car won't crank? What's going on? I said, I can't drive. <clears throat> she said, what do you mean you can't drive? I said, I tripped twice trying to get to the car, I cannot feel my left foot any longer. I said, uh, I said, I don't think, I said, if I wouldn't be able to feel my right foot, it would be a very exciting trip on the murder highway. And uh, I said, I don't, I don't think I should drive. She said, well, if you can't feel your feet, you shouldn't drive. I said, well, I can feel my right foot. Feel my right foot, but I just don't know if it's going to stay or not. She's like, well, maybe we won't wreck the car, kill the boy. And, uh, and et cetera, today, and it wasn't long, wasn't long after that, uh, intermittently, then the right foot, then finally just couldn't feel either one. And uh, somewhere around December, into December, January, I figured out I lost my hands, couldn't do much with my hands. <coughs> now, to a fat man, when you can't hold a fork, that's trouble. And, uh, I'm sorry, an, uh, an overweight fella. And uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't hold straws, couldn't do anything. And, man, it was so embarrassing, so dysfunctional. So dysfunctional. I remember, I remember August of 2020 when I could finally hold a pen. That was a good day. <clears throat> and then March, April of 2021, I could finally hitch up my britches. Man, that was a good day to be able to wear real pants in public and uh, not have to ask a stranger for assistance uh, if I needed to. I said that all smile, tongue-in-cheek tongue smile on my face. If you're feeling bad for me now, you're missing the point. When things aren't working like they're supposed to, again, my hand didn't have anything to do with my foot, but it affected everything. And my hands didn't have anything to do with my, with my liver, but it affected everything. <coughs> Let me help you. You're saying, it doesn't matter if I'm not healthy. I got news for you. Everybody in this room matters to everybody else in this room. The whole body fitly compacted, joined together, 
till we are made in the stature of Christ in love. You matter. You matter. You matter. And there is a way we should grow together. Serving. Christ-likeness. Finding our place. Doctrinally stable. Not every goof thing that comes on the radio or on YouTube. Anchored in the scripture. And then serving healthily. Finding our place. Finding our places. And growing together. By the way, and that's for all of us. Hands need the feet and the eyes. Say, I'm just a small thing. You want to get a body messed up? You let the cells get messed up. Now you got a mess. You matter to the work of God. God wants you to grow and mature and be healthy. That's how we should grow a church. Would you pray with me right now? Father, <clears throat> so much more here. Lord, I, I, I hope I've given enough. I hope we're challenged this morning. I hope we understand we matter the work of God. I'm thankful for pastors in my life. I'm thankful for evangelists, missionaries.